0: Refreshing and renewal in here, too. You know, uh, there's some things that, uh, that we have to do over and over and over again. I don't know about you, but uh, how many has been to, to grade school? Huh, everybody. Oh, good. Hallelujah. And you know what I'm talking about, that when I say every year in the first six years, and then, similarly, in the junior high and high school, there are some things that you did over and over and over again. I mean, let's face it, from first grade, right, to Carol, all the way on to sixth grade, you're going to have math. And every year it's going to be a little, it's the same subject, but a little more difficult. But every year you're going to go through the principles, you're going to review the rules and so on. Well, you know, it's the same thing with pastoral ministry, same thing being a Christian. There's some things that we will repeat over and over again. Peter did the same thing, the great apostle in his epistle says, you know, As long as I'm in this, my tabernacle, as long as I'm alive in this body, I'm going to keep reminding you of some things. Not that you don't know them already. It's just that it needs reminding. It needs to be taught because if it's not, then we'll neglect it and then we'll think that it's not important. And then we'll let it slip. And the next thing you know, we're displeasing unto the Lord. So some of this that I'm covering tonight, it's not the same, but it's the same subject. But again, it's from a different perspective. I want to talk to you tonight about dealing with anger. Now, we've had great sessions on anger before. And, uh, and we've had uh, I iLife classes on that. But I'm going to be talking to you from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. And it says, Paul, writing here to the church at Ephesus, and he says, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Be ye angry and sin not. This is lesson number two of ten weight sins and, uh, and, and struggles that, that we have. Uh, and certainly this is not exclusive. It's not an exhaustive list, in other words. But it is uh, a list of, of, of common things that all of us struggle with as Christians. As Christians. Because we live in a fallen body. Now we're saved and we're going to heaven, but our body. Ha Hallelujah. It's going a different direction. It's going to the grave first. And then it's going to be resurrected. Praise God. It's contrary to us. So we have to deal with this earthen, this treasure in earthen vessels. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence and help us to uh, be alert. Help us to be awake. Lord, give us some Holy Ghost caffeine. Lord, in the name of Jesus, refresh us, renew us, and give us strength tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Let the church say, Amen. amen. God bless you. you. May be seated tonight. Hallelujah. Well, everybody knows what anger is. What is anger? Well, there's descriptions. Uh, that I found, uh, and, and one is a feeling that people experience when something unfair or painful or bad happens to them. That's from the Cambridge Dictionary. And from Google, you look it up, it says a strong feeling of annoyance and displeasure or hostility, even. Or the vocabulary.com says it is emotional arousal. Oh, have you ever been angry? Yeah, it's it's all that. It's emotions aroused, all right. But definitions of anger—it's—it's it's for one—it's—it's—it's it's, it's an emotion. If you try to 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 analyze what it is, it really is just an emotion that we as human beings deal with. It's like happiness and and surprise and and uh, you know uh, negative events. And we respond to those external stimuli. And it's usually provoked by a negative event. Something that we perceive or feel as negative. Like unfair treatment or humiliation or inconvenience or aggression felt towards our part. Boy, a lot can be said today. (laughs) What are aggressions and microaggressions? But I digress. That is not my lesson. But... It's indeed a strong emotion that can lead to more destructive emotions and behaviors such as resentment and hatred and revenge and even violence. And I think we know that. But anger, as as we, we would rightly conclude, is a very, very common emotion. Everyone becomes angry at one time or another. Even me. And you say, even me. Point to yourself and say, even me. Hallelujah. We all get angry at times, once or another. And and it's, it's usually the very first reaction we seem to experience when we face a negative event. That's why the Bible says, be angry and sin not. In other words, you know, God knows that we get angry as part of our emotional chemical makeup as human beings. That's why he says, all right, be angry, but don't sin. You can be angry. It's a, the Lord was angry many times. The Bible tells us about it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Hallelujah. It's a God-given emotion that all of us have been endowed with directly from him. And, and you know, we, we, we remember the iLive class when Sister Becky taught on, on, on anger. And Mike and, uh, and, and others have, have mentioned it one way or another. But remember, one of the underlying causes of anger was unmet expectations. Remember that? And, and I thought of a, of a Bible example. Remember in, in 2 Kings. So by the way, I'm going to look at uh, 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 anger and, and look at a few biblical examples. By no means is it exhaustive, as I said, uh, and it's, it's not Every example, I don't want to give you every example, would be here forever and a day. Uh, But in, uh, let's see, we're in 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. And this is when uh, the king of Syria sent to uh, the king of Israel, uh, his top general, because he has had leprosy, and uh, and one of the servant girls, an Israelite girl who was taken captive there, uh, had had pity on on the general and said, "Would to God that 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 my Lord would would go to Israel and go before the prophet because then he would be healed." And so the king sent a letter. The king of Syria sent a letter to Ahab and uh, to the to the Israelites and said, "Hey, here's my top general, and uh, he's bringing you gold and silver and money and whatever." And, uh, and and if you, whatever you can do, we heard you got a prophet there that can heal him. And the king, of course, was totally upset because he knew he couldn't do anything about it and he not, wasn't really on good terms with a prophet. And, uh, and he, was, he was thinking that the king of Syria was really trying to start a war with him because you know, this king of Syria knew that Ahab couldn't heal him. Certainly not that ungodly king who married Jezebel and was the idolater and, and caused Israel to sin in so many ways. No, but, but he really wasn't. The Syrian king wasn't trying to, to, to store up trouble and trying to start war. But Elisha heard about it and said, send him to me. So uh, Naaman came uh, in verse 9 of chapter 5 of 2 Kings. And so Naaman, this general, came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger to him. Now, notice the prophet didn't come. He just sent a messenger. And he just said, go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Now, watch what happens. Verse 11. But Naaman, that's the general, was wroth, he was really, really angry. And he went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. And are not Abana and the uh, Farper rivers of Damascus better than the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Huh? You notice that? Why did he get angry? Somebody tell me one of the first underlying causes you see in this example. Why did he turn away angry? Come on now. Yes, Sister Tina. Thank you. Oh, you hit it right on the head. Hallelujah. It wasn't what he expected. He said by, by from his own words, I thought. I expected. I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the life. Listen. Whenever you come to God with a need, don't you tell him how to do it, how to fix it, how to heal you, how to take care of your loved one or your child that needs salvation. Amen. Don't work out the details for him. Just bring it to him. And when you hear a word of prophecy from God, just go out and do it and obey it. Amen. No matter how silly it sounds. And fortunately, he had some very good servants Because verse 13 said that after he went away in a rage, you talk about anger. Why else do you think he was angry? What caused him to go like in a rage? Huh? Anybody? Now, mind you, he's a general. Yes, Sister Tremea. Yeah, he was right away. He, wanted, he was here right away. And yes, uh, Daniel, uh, you had a word. Yeah. Could you interpret that utterance, uh, dear uh, brother, brother, dad? He was in a rage. He was in a rage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a slight exaggeration. <laughs> Nevertheless, it was an utterance. and you know, Okay, so, so he, he went away in a rage because I think pride had something to do with it too. I mean, isn't it better and, and, and nicer rivers in Syria? And besides, I'm a top general, my king, and he's going to treat me like this? So with such disrespect, he's, he's not even going to come out of his room. He's not going to get out from behind his bed or his desk, and he's, he's not even going to come greet me? Right. Right. What disrespect? <laughs> Turns to him and goes, and then his servants, in verse 13 says, and a servant came near and spake unto him and said, my father, ooh, man, I'll tell you what, that speaks so much of of servants. Uh, Spake unto him and said, my father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? I mean, you brought all those horses full of gold and silver, and he didn't ask for a dime. All he told you was to go and dip seven times in Jordan. I'm not, is that such a hard thing, really, sir? And, and, and he said, how much rather than when he said to thee, wash and be clean. That's all it is, general. And you know, nothing is said out there. It's, it, it's neat because he didn't go into an argument. He saw, he saw the nobility of that wisdom even though it came from one of his underlings, oh my goodness, we can go in so many directions with this. He didn't argue. He said, yeah, you're right. Even though I hold higher rank than you, you're right. He wasn't condescending. There's no chiding. There's no, no nothing else. He just says, okay, because the next verse says, then he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan according to the saying of the man of God, And his flesh came again like under the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. But he almost missed out on a great blessing. Simply because he got angry because of unmet expectations. And sometimes we set ourselves up in the same way. We expect certain people to be in a certain way towards us who accept certain things in a get-together. We expect certain things to happen in a church, and it doesn't happen. And we get offended, we get angry, we get mad, and we walk out of the church. It didn't happen the way I wanted it to. And so for many folks, you know, anger is just the go-to emotion. When nothing goes their way, they get angry. Uh, whatever things, that, uh, don't, don't matter if it's big or small, you know, if it, it doesn't go their way, they go through the rough. Now, it's actually very immature in one respect, because most of us, you know, when you get older, you tend to get a grip on your emotions, or should. And this is why it's important to parents also, you know, help their children before they get to school, to, to get a grip on their emotions, because, you know, uh, immaturity. Gets them to the place where if they don't get their way, they throw all kinds of fists. My little, you know, I'm going to have to keep referring to my grandson. He's now a year and a half, I think, more than that. A little bit more, 18, 19 months, 20 months, something like that. But you know what? This kid walks around on two feet and he can say certain words. He can say a lot of words from the picture books. He can, I think, almost count to 10, which is unreal. You know, they don't make them like they used to. But anyway, you know, he goes to daycare, and, you know, when he goes, he was this one kid, I think the little boy's name is Clinton, and uh, he watched him, you know, look himself in the mirror, and he didn't recognize it was his own image. So he goes over there, and he shoves against the mirror. <laughs> so he shoves that little boy, just shoves again. And Michael, I was told, he was just, <laughs> just cracking up, just laughing, you know. But he learned a lot of things from him. So when he comes home, you know, if, if, he, he, if, if, if you do something that he doesn't like, if you don't understand what he's trying to say, he'll come over there and push on you. Or if you, if you, get, don't, if you don't get it right and it's not what he wanted, then he goes over there, throws himself down on the uh, He throws himself on the floor. Uh, you know, I mean, like I said, with, with, the, with an immature child, it's the go-to thing. It's the go-to emotion. If you don't get your way, it's... Uh, or, it's either aggressiveness or it's falling over to show you how un, un, not pleased they are. Amen. Um, so, so by itself, anger is not such a bad thing because it, it, it leads us to do uh, that. Uh, I mean, what it's really bad of is it's only bad when it begins to, to affect us in a way we start to do things that leads to sin. Right. Did I say that right? Anger itself is is not wrong until you use it wrongly. And you use it as a fuel to to behave in a way or speak in a way that would hurt somebody. And that's the issue. And that's really what the Bible is talking about. Uh, Praise God. And so... Uh, there's, there, there are various ways to describe the types of anger that we feel. And one of them is, is this hasty and sudden anger. It's this impulsiveness. It's an impulse when, when someone is threatened or harmed physically or even psychologically. It's this impulsive anger. It's this, this reaction of self-preservation. You all have it. God put it in us. This is hasty and sudden. Ache. Then there's the settled and deliberate anger. It's, it's reaction to unfair treatment and deliberate harm by somebody else. And, and, and this is often referred to as, as righteous indignation or a strong desire for justice. And I'm not speaking in, in the extreme case. And for a grown-up, yes, I'm, you know, it's when, when you have been treated unfairly and, and even worse, You've been wronged in a terrible way. You want justice done. It's it's in us. And we want uh, sometimes retribution. Uh, More than anything, though, justice being served is so important. Then there's this dispositional anger, this anger uh, which is basically a character trait. It's a person who is constantly irritable, he's grouchy, and he's given to bad temper. Uh, because that's who he allowed himself to become. Dispositional anger. That's his disposition. That's basically how he is, because he got used to it. And then there's this passive-aggressive anger. This anger is, is collected, or is, it's, 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 it builds over time from small slights and insults. And... It builds when, when they feel that someone or others uh, have been directing these, these, these slights and insults at them. And then their reaction, and this passive aggressive anger, is to sabotage any kind of an effort to reconcile or to improve that relationship because what they really want to do is, is to punish the other person that way by not reconciling. Now, this can happen in a marriage relationship too, but I digress. I'm, I'm really speaking here more about human relationships in general. But these really also can be very much part of the marriage uh, dynamic. Hallelujah. So passive aggressive anger. It's anger that's collected and it builds up. You know, there's many other uh, names for it. You know, My day back in the 70s was postage stamp collecting, you know. Just to be able to collect these green stamps and then you cash them in all at once and buy something with it, whatever. And the same way emotionally, you know, th- th- this passive-aggressive uh, anger where you where you don't say anything for a long time on all these injustices and all these things, you know, that has been done wrong. You just keep collecting them and put them, and all of a sudden one of these just poof, you just explode and cash in all of them and start listing every one of the thousand and one things that the other person has done wrong. Instead of talking it out one at a time, you know, especially when it occurred. Now, the, the first two types of anger uh, are episodic. This hasty and, and sudden and unsettled and deliberate anger. Meaning that they happen from time to time in response to some kind of external stimuli. Yeah, it, the, the first two types of anger is just it's Responses to what happens around them in circumstances. But the third and fourth type of anger is the dispositional anger and the passive-aggressive anger. Uh, they're, they're, they're the ones that are always present in someone's character and has become a part of their character, becomes a character trait. And it's not a response to outside events at all. It's just a, a usual state of that person, regardless of outside circumstances. So it doesn't matter what type of anger you exhibit or how it triggers you. Anger is sinful when it becomes the fuel to say and do things which are wrong and hurtful. I said that. Now, the biblical examples of anger fueling sin are many, but I'm only going to take a couple. And the first one I'm going to look at is Cain. I think you're familiar with the story of Cain, Genesis chapter 4 verse 1 through 8 and we're going to read that Adam knew his wife or they had intimacy and she conceived and bare Cain and said I have begotten a man from the Lord and she she again bare his older brother Abel and Abel was a keeper of the sheep but Cain was a tiller of the ground in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain, here we go, was very rough, very angry. And his countenance fell. He was very angry. And as a result of the anger, he got depressed. You know, sometimes anger is prolonged or protracted. It leads to depression. We can go down the line. Saul, uh, Elisha even. Not Elisha. Elijah went in a cave and hid himself. Many people in the Bible, godly people can fall into that trap. And Cain did. His countenance fell. Why? Because the Lord rejected his offering. And so God uses this this event of anger in his life to begin to teach him and talk to him. He said, then the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall his desire be, and thou shalt rule over him. In other words, get a grip, you will rule over him. I want you to get a grip and get a hold of yourself and get a hold of this temptation that you're tempted with. And Cain talked with his Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. Slew him. We have to understand Cain's anger here was flared up as a result of rejection. Rejection can cause anger to rise in you. Rejected by a loved one, rejected by uh, a friend, rejected by a church brother, church sister, or a church group. Rejection even if you weren't rejected, but maybe you're feeling that rejection and can fuel anger inside of you. And that anger is like a chain reaction. It can cause all kinds of other things that are negative. And again, we talked about it. Anger is normal, and certainly anger is a, a normal uh, first response to reject, rejection. Uh, and, and when we're surprised, we're hurt, we're rejected, Amen. And this really is what happens in children who, whose fathers or parents, even mothers, reject the child. And I bring up fathers because as you know, uh, in, in our society, in our generation, this particular day and age, the absence of the father is causing major devastation in the family structure. Proverbs 17:6: children's children, grandchildren are the crown of old men, but the glory of the children are their fathers. Children want the affirmation of their dads. Children are looking up to their dads, and they want affection. They want love. They want, they want affirmations. So I'm proud of you, and I love you. I, I talk about that every time we have a baby dedication, but it's true. And when a child does not get that kind of affirmation, they get angry. You know why they get angry? Before they Because they feel rejection to feel the same way you do when you feel rejection in your life. And so you get angry and children get angry and they deal with the anger all their life unless they get some kind of a release and they find out what the true underlying cause of their anger is. Now the problem for Cain uh, was his illegitimate response to the rejection in his moment of anger. He had no real justification to be angry because he knew that God was right. And God was trying to tell him that. He said in verse 6 and 7, look at that. And the Lord said unto Cain, why are you angry? Why are you depressed and dejected? If you do well, shall thou not be accepted? You know, just do right, thou'll accept it. God's trying to instruct him. God's trying to teach him and talk to him. And yet it falls on deaf deaf ears. 1 John 3, 10 and 13 makes reference to this event. It says, in this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doth not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning. That we should love one another. Even as Jesus said. Remember he's referring back to his command. Now, I have loved you. so I, I command that you love one another even as I have loved you. So he's reminding the Christians of his day and age. John is. Of what Jesus said. So this is the message that you heard from the beginning. That we should love love one another and it's, it's not just our personal relationship with Jesus that matters but how we treat other others as well that matters too so notice that for this is the message you've heard from the beginning that we should love one another we should love God with all of our hearts minds, souls and strength right that's what Jesus said that's the greatest commandment and sometimes we think you know that if I focus on my relationship with God that's enough well Yes and no. It is enough to establish a relationship, but to maintain that relationship, you've got to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And this scripture here underscores that. For this is the message you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. So it's not just a personal relationship with Jesus that matters, but how we treat others too. That matters. And so in verse 12, he says... Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. Well, John teaches so many things in this particular verse. Number one, he affirms the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis. Understand that. The Genesis narrative is correct. Yeah. Jesus affirmed it. And now here John is affirming that. Teaching about love. How important it is to love one another. And Cain didn't love his brother. It was evident. But it began with his lack of faith and his disobedience to God. See, it, it, it's a, 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 he, he's a good example of, of, of the failure to love. So Cain's disobedience came from his lack of faith. So in Hebrews 11:4 it says, "By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he, Cain, uh, Abel, was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh." And this is a tribute to Abel and also an indictment of Cain. Because the subject here is faith. Cain and Abel both were taught by Adam and Eve what pleases God. They heard the story about the animal sacrifice, the blood sacrifice, and what pleases God. Abel chose to do that which pleased the Lord, bring a blood sacrifice, an animal, and bring the fat of that animal and burn it on the altar for the fat Moses encoded in the law. Amen. Belongs unto the Lord. Abel accepted it by faith and he brought that proper sacrifice and and God accepted it. But, excuse me, Abel did, but Cain did not. Why? He didn't believe it. Eh, I'll do what I want. That's man-made faith. Man-made religion. And so because of his lack of faith, he disobeyed God. And that disobedience led into anger. And Cain's anger festered and grew into hatred and resentment of his brother Abel, whose sacrifice and conduct was acceptable. See, repressed anger, uh, it it left alone by itself to boil, it's going to soon look for a way out. You know that, right? You you should know that about yourself. You let that anger keep on festering and keep on stirring you up, it's going to explode. Usually the person nearest you He's the one that's going to bear the brunt. Oh, heaven help him, right? And, and, and usually that, that outburst is leveled at some innocent soul. Abel didn't do anything. He's totally innocent. And he bore the brunt of this, of this man, Cain, who, who because of disobedience and lack of faith, hatred and anger grew to the point that it boiled over and he killed his brother. And so this is what John also uses to explain. Look, don't look for any great expected expected love from the world because their works is also evil. And because their works are evil and they walk in disobedience, they're not going to love you. They're going to hate you because you're the goody two-shoes. You're the righteous seed. You're the ones who got a little square on on God's green acre in heaven. And so, you know, you guys are, you know, you're just hypocrites. and, And, you know, they'll call you every name of the book. Not because you did anything wrong. No, it's because they know that they're wrong. And so John says, don't be surprised. He said, let me read, marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. They accuse us of hate, (laughs) really. They're so grossly guilty of the very thing they accuse us of. But it's exactly what the devil does. Always tries to accuse us of the very thing that he is, evil. And so, it's again, it's just like a faith that the disobedience, the disobedience to, to resentment, resentment to anger, anger boiling over to great sin. And God tells Cain that Cain himself was the cause of his rejection and the anger keeps on festering in his heart. He's unable to accept or to acknowledge this and so Cain targets his brethren and he thinks he's the cause of his rejection and ultimately kills him. In summary of Cain's story, God's rejection and discipline led to anger. Which caused them to be jealous. And then resentment. Then festering resentment to hatred. And then to murder. No wonder we read in Ephesians. In this context. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. That was deal with your anger. Soon. Early. And the sooner the better. Because if you let it fester. It will just keep multiplying. Into carnality and ungodliness. It'll keep festering the resentment and then, then hatred. And your hatred will boil over into things that you don't want to do or you really don't want to say. Now, another example from the Old Testament I want to use is, uh, is the story of Moses. Numbers chapter 20. And in fact, I made reference to this Sunday morning when I talked about Moses. Uh, and when he wrote Psalms 90 and the three big episodes that took place in this chapter. I just want to read a few verses of this, this chapter. I'm not reading the whole thing. But in Numbers chapter 20, verse 1, uh, it says Then the children of Israel, then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, into the desert of Zin in the first month. And the people abode in Kadesh. And Miriam died there and was buried there. And there was no water for the congregation. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. Notice when they gathered together, it was just, hey, let's have a nice power. Let's sit down. And talk. Uh-uh. They came with a motive. And the motive was, we're coming against you, Moses and Aaron. It's your fault. We don't have water, our children, our women, our families, our flocks, everybody. We don't have water. We need water. It's your fault. And look what it says, verse 3. And the people chowed means chided, chowed. Argued and and spoke against Moses and spake saying, "Would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord, like those spies that were killed by a plague, like the ones the sons of Korah that rebelled against Moses and the earth swallowed them up." Imagine some stupid saying like that. Who would, in their right mind, charge Moses? By? I mean. Has their memory gone so bad that they forgot all the things that that God had done through Moses? The miracles and all that? And delivered them from the great army of Egypt and parting the Red Sea, brought them out uh, to Mount uh, of, of, uh, oh, come on now, Sinai. They heard God for themselves. My, and here they are chiding with him. Because we don't have water. Hallelujah. See, there's another example of what anger can lead to. Because we read down in verse, oh, what is it? Nine through, let's go to verse nine. And Moses took the rod, because God, I mean, Moses took this problem to, to the Lord. And uh, the Lord spoke to Moses. Let me go back to verse 7. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water. Notice he says, Speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water. And thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord, as he commanded him, and Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, hear now, you rebels. You see, can you hear the, the anger in his voice? He didn't call them, come here, you children of God. Come on, you <laughs> poor little sheep. you a bunch of stiff-necked rebels. You want water? I'll give you water. You know, it's it's name calling. You rebels, must we fetch your water out of this rock? It's kind of sarcasm. And Moses lifted up his hand. Here's this. Okay, I'll get to that. I'm jumping ahead. Uh. And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod, he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank. And their beasts also. At verse 12. Right away the Lord speaks. And the Lord spake to Moses and Aaron. Because ye believe me not. To sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land. Which I have given them. See. Anger came forth out of frustration. If anybody was frustrated, that was Moses. If anybody can get frustrated with people, it's a man of God trying to lead a flock or a congregation. That's why I tell a lot of folks who are entering the ministry, I'm telling you, you better make sure you call. And you better have the fruit of the Spirit as well as the gift of the Spirit because if you don't, the ministry will destroy you. It will. And I've seen it happen. And so Moses here, even Moses, with all that he had going for him, all the power of God manifests through him. He led the people for decades, despite of their fears and complaining and rebellion a lack of faith. And here word were again, again chiding with him. And in this episode, the people, one one more time, they complain for no water. So Moses went to God for help, and we read in verse 9 through 12 in particular that he was angry and spoke out of, of frustration. He scolds the people, then he strikes the rock twice, and thus Moses and Aaron sinned, and because of unbelief and disobedience, their anger led to unbelief and unbelief to disobedience. And the price that was paid for that, that Moses and Aaron could not enter the promised land. In fact, in this very chapter, Aaron also dies. And Moses is not allowed to go into the promised land. 38 years, Moses now leads Israel through the desert. And he loses his older sister and older brother. And now he's got two years to prepare Joshua to take over the the, the reins of leadership. And he does a great job with it. But here he is. He lost his, his, his composure when the people chowed with him and, 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 uh, and, and he couldn't resist calling them names. He got so frustrated. You rebels. And notice, you know, I thought about this in verse 11. He said, Moses lifted up his hand with his rod and he smote the rock twice. And I think, you know, there's something hidden in that statement because I don't think it was bam, bam. I think he, he hit that rock. Boom! Once, and nothing happened. And then he's well. Let me hit it twice, and then it came out. And God honored that. He's going to give water to His people. But you know, you know the story. The reason God was upset, so upset with with uh, with uh, Moses, because this this event here, the rock, was a symbolic representation of Jesus Christ. And Paul in his epistle to the Corinthians talks about how the rock that followed Israel throughout the the wilderness is Christ. And it is he that gives that water. And Christ was only struck and killed once on Calvary, not twice. And by hitting this rock the second time, it was a symbolic representation of Jesus Christ. He ruined a type and symbol of some future event. And so he could not end the promise. Now, did he make it to heaven? Yes. How do we know? Because he was there at the Mount of Transfiguration. Hallelujah. In fact, he made it to the promised land. Not in his physical body, but hey, he made it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. And so, so anyway, it... it, it it, it is, it, it's important for us to get some of the details and, and understand how anger uh, can really mess us up. It can send us down the wrong road that we didn't expect to travel on. And it, it can cause unexpected results. And we see that his frustration led to anger, his anger led to loss of faith, his loss of faith resulted in disobedience, and his disobedience resulted in punishment. We see why getting a hold of our anger is so important. So I want to finish on my last segment here tonight on on how to deal with anger. Remember, God said through Paul, be angry and sin not. You can be angry. Just be careful what you do. So he gives us some advice on what to do. And, uh, and again, we have to understand that we will always be provoked to anger because we just can't eliminate anger from our lives altogether. Because anger, in many ways is good for us. It can be a good motivating factor. I don't want to get into those aspects. I don't want to go too far away and too deep. Again, this is an in, uh, how should I say, this is an inexhaustible subject. But there will always come situations that will cause anger in us. And sometimes God uses this anger to get our attention about something. Like Cain. He got angry and God used it to to try to talk to him. Sometimes uh, anger is just a sign of fatigue and and weakness and maybe even misunderstanding. We just didn't understand the circumstances right. And our misunderstanding led to us feeling this negative Event and we get angry because of that. And other times it just becomes a temptation to deeper sin, and that's really also something that we really have to be aware of. But there are some steps that we can take, obviously, to minimize the harmful effects of anger. And I want to pass those on to you. Number one, we can pray. We can pray constructively, I should say, because you know when angry at somebody, you don't want to get down and Lord him with fire right out of heaven. Hallelujah. You know, they did me wrong. Oh, God, almighty, hallelujah. Burn them to crispy critters. You know? You might have felt like that sometime. Hey, disciples of Jesus, when they rejected him, they said, Hey, Lord, would you that we call down fire from heaven? And Jesus turns around, No. You don't know what manner of spirit you are. I didn't come to destroy lives, I came to save lives. So pray, and praying is important, but pray constructively, not destructively, hallelujah. See, prayer, if nothing else, it helps you to get past the emotion of things. Prayer helps you to get past that emotion that causes that anger. And you can ask when you're praying, really think about why am I angry? Why am I angry? God wants us to do that. Say loud. Stop and think about that. Why am I angry? And a lot of times when you ask the question, that takes the fuel out of anger. If you stop feeding the fire, then it'll die out. That's the same thing with anger, you know. Why am I angry? Then ask God for wisdom and understanding. I see, what's going on here, Lord? What, what, what am I doing wrong? Why, why did this happen? And God, help us to avoid these foolish and sinful responses. Help me not to make a bad mistake here. So when you're praying, you can, you can do just that. You can, you can avoid a bad mistake simply by pausing and praying about it, and asking God and asking yourself why you're angry, identifying the source of that anger. Number two, slow down. Too often, anger happens on a quick, on a quick draw, you know? Before you know man, you're from zero to 100 in less than a second. And, uh, and, and you react quickly and say things and do things that we often regret simply because we got so angry so quickly. So slowing down helps us to get control of ourselves. And sometimes you need a good 24 hours to cool off. You really do. And when you do, you'll see things more clearly. And you can manage your emotions a whole lot better. You can manage the situation a lot better. You can think out, you know, uh, what you need to say, what you need to to do, uh, you know, and what you have to do to yourself uh, to get a grip. Amen. Hallelujah. See, you're not going to avoid the anger, but you can avoid creating a bigger mess <laughs> and having bigger problems if you just delay your response. If nothing else, prayer is valuable for that. And then another big step, a big thing you can do is to stop churning. Now, this is really important. Stop churning. Turn your neighbor and say, Stop churning. Yeah, stop churning. Hallelujah. See, if you've if you prayed about the cause of your anger, and if you've asked for wisdom and understanding, if you've asked God to help you deal with the offense or the frustration or the injustice or the insult that got you angry and mad, then you better just turn it over to God and let it go. Let it go. That's one of the hard parts to do. But the problem is that we start churning. So stop churning the situation over and over again in your mind. You know, churning is like, you know, making ice cream and butter. Keep, keep on churning, keep on grinding. You stir, you mix, and you constantly agitate. That's the definition, amen? They can't make butter anyway. I... And so many people go around churning butter with their emotions. And when you get angry... You, you, you know how you churn? You keep on playing it over and over and over in your mind. That's how it gets bigger. That's how it gets deeper. That's how it gets, how it gets how you get more angry. You can't let it go. So it starts in your mind. We've got to take control of our thought pattern, casting down every imagination. Hallelujah. And bring it to the obedience of Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you ask God to help you deal with the offense and the frustration and everything else, turn it over to God and stop churning. You're not making butter or ice cream. Hallelujah. And I know it's difficult. It's not easy. It's just a hey, man. It's Amen. You know it's not difficult. You know it's not difficult. I mean, not easy, excuse me. Yeah, it's not difficult to churn either. That's for sure. I mean that's that's a, that's that comes naturally. And that's the problem. But it's it's not easy to stop churning. And uh, it, it takes intentionality and really prayer and asking God to help. Uh, but if we stop churning, it, it gets the fire out of burning inside of us. And that's important. And, and, and you know, anger is, is an emotional prison. And when you, when you get hung up in that churning and, and you, you can't let go of it, you're in a prison. And you're victim to that imprisonment, and the only way to get out of it is to let the fire die. It's putting it out. put a stop the churning about the details of this thing. Now that's easy to say, but I think I'm talking to a crowd that knows exactly what I'm talking about. and so so quit churning about it. Quit turning it over. Paul said again, be ye angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Now, Paul explains that you, you can be angry without sinning if you don't prolong your anger beyond its time. I mentioned the sun. It says not letting the sun go down. It means for a specific time or season. See, sun uh, has only so much time to shine during the day right? When the sun goes down, it's nighttime. It won't burn any longer. The same thing. Let your anger burn out. Let it go for that specific time, but after that, don't go past it. When the sun goes down, let your anger burn out too. Go past it. Otherwise, it'll lead you to temptation of resentment and hatred, violence and, and revenge and all those things. So, Consider the wisdom of Proverbs nineteen eleven. 11. Andrea, come on. Hallelujah. Finally, brethren, stand with me if you will. Consider the wisdom of Proverbs nineteen eleven. Listen to this, verse 11. The discretion of man deferth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. To defer his anger. It means to put off or to postpone. Let me read you the New Living Translation. Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Now obviously I'm not I'm not talking about somebody who physically attacks you and so, says, Oh, it's okay, you know. You do you better run. <laughs> Number one. And get help. Get the police involved, whatever. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. But we're we're talking here about human relationships, and that's what, what Proverbs 19 is talking about also. And we're talking about the church body. We're talking about the church family. And we're talking about your family, your marriage. It says defer your anger. You may be justified in being angry, but you know, if you could just defer and keep your mouth shut, it would go a long way to preserving that relationship so that it would stay the way it should be. And finally, the best things you can do is just to be your best Christian self. I'm talking about Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled temperament. Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled temperament. You know, one of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 is temperance. Root to temperament. Temperance. It's It's a person's nature as it permanently affects his behavior. I was intrigued by that definition. Temperament. It's it's a person's disposition that permanently affects his behavior. You know what? You get the Holy Ghost. It permanently affects your disposition and your nature. That's why the, the Bible says that if you know we're born of the Spirit. Let us walk in the Spirit by Spirit-controlled temperament. Let the fruit of the Spirit be manifest through us, and and not getting angry quickly. But deferring or postponing our anger. Why? Because if you postpone it, chances are by the time you put a little distance between that in, that, that that wrong and your anger, the anger subsides. And all of a sudden, you say, eh, I ain't going to mess with it anyway. And you avoid a big mistake, a big problem, a deeper wound, maybe in yourself or the other person as well. And so we have to concern ourselves about the way we react. React to insult? Be your best Christian self. Hurt? Be your best Christian self. Frustration, be your best Christian self. Rejection, be your best Christian self. Let the Holy Ghost rule and reign your life. So when you're tempted by emotion of anger, you will never get in trouble if you just remember to rely on the Lord and you have a mind to respond by being your best. A Christian, Holy Ghost controlled Christian self hallelujah praise God we just lift your hand and close your eyes right where you're at oh Lord God Almighty we pray to you as your children and you know that we're creatures with emotions emotions that sometimes flare up into anger Lord, there are things in our past that we have perhaps said out of anger and said the wrong things and did the wrong things. And now, Lord God, on this day, this night, we bring it all before you and we cast all our cares upon you and we, Lord, forgive everyone that has wronged us and have injured us and hurt us and rejected us. Lord, you're our heavenly Father and we, come to you casting all our cares upon you for your care for us. I pray, O Lord God, that you would forgive us as we forgive them who have sinned and trespassed against us. Help us, O Lord, to release our anger and to stop churning. Deliver us, O Lord God, from these thoughts that keep plaguing us and the enemy keeps coming back and making sure that we remember some of these things. Help us, O Lord, once and for all to bury it under your precious blood. Therefore, cleanse us, O Lord, with your precious blood. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Would you sing?